Fulhamish is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. It's the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James, and on this episode, we'll be examining Fulham's dominant 3-1 victory over Millwall in the Carabao Cup, which featured three new goal scorers, nearly as many Fulham fans as Millwall fans, and you may have heard that we had a 15-year-old on the pitch. Here to chat through it all with me is the one and only Jack Collins. How you doing? Hello, listeners. I'm good, Sam. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Mm. Uh, we'll also be looking ahead to the Everton game uh, and chatting to Ped from Toffee TV about the game and uh, getting an Everton point of view on the affair. Uh, might as well do some three-word reviews, actually. So, a couple of ones from Instagram today to mix oh, nice. things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's nice. Share the love, share the love. Sonny Salvatore said, showed our class. GR Margolis, I think that's the doctor. American arrival abroad. Tom Morgan, 777, love the cup. Harry Prowse, Elliot is blessed. Alex Yo said, Private Brian saved. <laughs> Umberto, South Bermondsey Library. And Ralph.deck said, Tomorrow to school. It was a really weird atmosphere Very at the den yesterday. I mean, I joke, but there's not far off as many Fulham yeah, fans as Millwall. 5,304 was the attendance. And it was just over 2,000 Fulham fans. But it was just strange when you looked at the stadium as a whole because each of the Millwall stands were completely empty. I mean, in some of the cases, they actually had no people in. The stand on the right was reasonably full. But still fairly sparse. And then just the away end, was bare, there was no seats. Yeah, really odd. Like standing room only in the aisles and stuff. It was, it was an odd experience. Uh, Fulham came through it well. Uh, we'll be discussing uh, Harvey. Uh, at length as well Young half It's an incredible story and it's obviously gone round uh, bigger publications than ourselves as well there's been lots of word about it but I'm sure I'll get Jack's view on that in just a second for exclusive specials and promotions head to bet.fulhamish.co.uk Fulhamish is back for the season by Ladbrokes so 3-1 victory for the Whites Caesars progressed to the last 16 of the Carabao Cup and Drew said to show this competition some love. And actually, I thought Slav gave it quite a bit of respect last night. Played a few first-teamers, played some youth as well. I felt like all the boxes were ticked. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that Drew will be happy with that lineup, with that performance, with, with everything, basically. And so will Dom, because it had some of the youth in as well. It fitted nicely into both camps. You know, what happened was the, the sort of comeback of Tim Ream allowed for us to treat the competition with respect while still blooding someone that hadn't had that many minutes, which is nice. Obviously, K-Mac probably won't play at the weekend, so it allowed us to play him in the middle, and you know that therefore gives it another bit of respect. His 100th cap for Fulham last night. Yeah. Touch. Nice little touch to have the armband and stuff on that day. And at the scene of his probably one of his greatest moments in a Fulham shirt. Of course. And, and like we said, we expected Cyrus Christie to get a run. We expected Joe Bryan to play. It was nice to see Le Marchand back. I think that when he's played at centre-back this season, he's looked really good. And he looked assured on the ball again yesterday. Stevie Seth, underrated performance. Yeah. Really, really, really good. Very composed. The only caveat to all of this, I suppose, before we kind of deep dive into the, the game and the performances, is that... They had so much time on the ball. It felt at times like a training exercise, attack versus defence. There was no high press from Millwall. No. There was no real intensity. The, the only you know five minutes between them scoring and Cyrus absolutely banging in the third is it is the only moment in the game where things didn't feel like we were completely in control and had 100% grip on it, which makes it all a little bit kind of hard to yeah. judge. But on the whole, 
really pleased. It's a great environment for a few players, though, to get some minutes. Uh, you know, experienced players like Tim Ream or new players like you know, Elliot and Sessignon and De La Torre as well. It was a nice atmosphere and weird to be saying that about Millwall, which is so normally a cauldron. So the lineup w- was nuts, and, and yourself and I were chatting on WhatsApp when it came out, trying, trying to work out. out what on earth was was going on tactics wise. So we kind of reckoned it was a three-five-two. Sergio Rico in goal. Uh, well, not I wasn't actually too surprised to see Rico. He played yeah. against Exeter. He needs to get some minutes under his belt, and it seems that Marcus has got the number one shirt for Premier League games at the moment. Then you had a back three of Lamarchon, Ream in the middle, and then and Steven Sessignon. I didn't really realise that centre back was a position that he was too accustomed to. I thought he was more of a, a wing back, a full back, and maybe a defensive mid if he had to. I thought there was a, a couple of people on Twitter yesterday being like, oh, Steven Sessegnon's playing right wing. And I was like, oh, no, he's not. <laughs> and he's played that role quite a lot for the under-21s. Okay. And, and as skipper, a lot of the time he stood in there. So he, he's very comfortable in the, in the centre-back role. He is a little bit small, I suppose, but he's no smaller than Dennis Adoy. Yeah. And I think that if Fulham are going to look for that kind of ball-playing centre-half role to, to carry on going forward, I, I think that he might have a, a decent shot of sliding his way into the team in that position. Uh, and then you kind of had a midfield five, uh, Joe Bryan and, and Cyrus Christie playing wing-backs. wing-backs. Uh, good to see Joe Bryan get some minutes. Obviously, he got the first goal as well. That would be a confidence boost for him after a tricky few weeks. Yeah, he was good yesterday as well. He didn't really do too much wrong. Nothing defensively went a well down his side, although I suppose it probably helps having the cover of someone like Le Marchand. And as we said, Millwall didn't offer very much going forward. No. But in, on the whole, I thought Joe Bryan did well. He offered, he always looked for the ball. He, he sort of gave a little bit of dimension to his game, which I didn't necessarily know. You know, we've said that we liked him because he was crossing ability is excellent but his ability to drive into the box last night and and actually go inside and take on his man was excellent yeah and a bit of unpredictability as well I think with the goal you'd have expected him to square that back across the box he caught the Millwall keeper a little bit unawares by going for the far post and really neatly taken as well he loves the Carabao Cup Joe Bryan he does he does like this competition but yeah you know that's what it is that that ability to change things up to to drill it bottom corner when you could pull it back and that's what Cess was so good at keep catching keepers unawares yeah. and, and doing things that they didn't expect last year. So if Joe Bryan can continue that form, and I do expect to see him feature at some point on Saturday. Mm. So, you know, I think that he's done enough in that performance to warrant that he should maybe be included in the squad. And, and we know that maybe this conspiracy theory about Slavlot not liking him is not completely put to bed, but it, yeah. it's dispelled a little bit. Yeah, of course. And we spoke about it on on Monday's podcast and, and then we said when Slav comes out and says things about players, he, he says it. He says what he thinks. He doesn't yeah, pull he's punches. Not words. So, so the fact that he's come out and backed Joe Bryan already is, suggests that we're not needing to consider conspiracy theories too seriously at this point. Uh, just finishing off the lineup, you had MacDonald and Anguisa kind of in, in centre mid. You had De La Torre in there as well with Aite and Camera leading the line, switching flanks uh, as normal in a, in a Slav side. Let's talk about Luca De La Torre. Yeah. He was at the heart of everything last night, was voted man of the match on the Fulhamish player ratings and I think deservedly so as well. I mean, there's the obvious things he did. He assisted the first goal. He got the second himself the third goal his decoy run actually allows Cyrus Christie to get that space to shoot on his left foot taking nothing away from Cyrus yeah. Christie no one has the right to score from as far out as he did it was it was on a their wonder- weak foot it was a wonderful goal but his awareness his vision he, he just was 
he was mesmerising last night. I think we've got a real talent on here. I haven't been so excited about kind of a centre midfielder like him since Ellison Heinemann. Yeah, of course. And there's obviously similarities in that they're both American yeah. and come through the academy from a young age. But, you know, there's a lot of things. Last night, man of the match was between Delatore and Anguisa for me. I thought Anguisa had a brilliant game. Yeah. And although he's a little bit lackadaisical in possession, you know, overall yesterday, he looked like he was the £30 million man on the pitch. rather mm. than, And there was such a golf in class between him and kind of everyone else apart from Delatore. And I think that... A bit harsh on Tunnicliffe, mate. Yeah, no, look, you know you know me. <laughs> if anyone's going to be non-harsh to Ryan Tunnicliffe, you're, you're looking at him. But, yeah, I, I thought that Delatore ran things really well. He he played in that kind of 10 role where he played for the US under-20s when he sort of masterminded their run a couple of years back. And I thought that in that position, he really excels. There's not necessarily, you know, too many natural 10s in the in the Fulham setup, as we said before, you know, Tom Kenny likes to play as kind of like a forward thinking yeah. quarterback as opposed to as opposed to a, a natural out and out ten. But yeah. Delatore looked to get the ball in the space, turn, drive, you know, attack the goal. He was he's very direct, which is something that we don't necessarily have too much of. And I think he's a lovely little talent. I'm not, you know, quite as excited to the level that you are by, by what you've just said, but I really do think he's a he's a talent and going forward you know, we, we're going to look to include him more and look to kind of make sure that he gets the game time that he needs to really develop and kick on. Uh, the goal that Fulham conceded, annoying that we couldn't get another clean sheet under our belt, still only really the Exeter game where we have managed to have a full sweep of not conceding any goals in, in, in an entire game. Uh, Tom Elliott brought it back to 2-1 after 61 minutes. It was a little bit shambolic defending from a corner. It wasn't even a particularly great corner. It was just kind of a lobbed ball into the area and just kind of failed to deal with it really yeah I think maybe Sergio Rico should do better here um, you know I thought he had a generally alright game last night but yeah. I think maybe he should do better uh, it bounces around in the penalty area it's a little bit pinball uh, and Joe Bryan tries to clear it off the line and, and it ends up just going into the top of his own net yeah so, I don't think Joe Bryan could be blamed no 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 I'm not, I'm not I'm just you know, discrediting yeah, yeah, of course. as such but yeah it, it's just not particularly good defending you know the only you know, caveat of that is that Millwall are a lot bigger than we are and, mm. and especially yesterday with so much sort of young blood in the side and they were going to always be a threat from set pieces and, and so it proved but yeah we should have dealt with it we should have dealt with it better but we dealt with it in a way by responding so quickly what a goal from Cyrus Christie I'm right in saying that's his first for the club aren't I? It is indeed I mean, I know he kind of came on the scene and got a few important assists early on in his Fulham career, but yeah, lovely strike on his left foot. He threatened to do that a couple of times in the Exeter game as well. And you can tell, I think the first goal that Kabara scored was when his shot was parried from his right foot, I seem to believe, but kind of cutting in in the same fashion. Um, That's a useful little weapon. Yeah, it is. I, you know, I don't know how much space he's going to have to to be able to unleash that in in the general kind of scheme of things, but... But overall, yeah, it's a nice thing to have in your armoury, and, and especially with his weak foot. So he, he's he's had that a couple of times when he's come on for Fulham, you know, had a, his, his ability to sort of cut inside and drive one at goal. We've seen that evident in a couple of games already. You know, I think actually his was the first Fulham shot on target this season in the Premier League. Yeah, he was unlucky not Palace. score against Palace. So, you know, we've, we've obviously seen it before, but yesterday was kind of different gear. That ability to shift it out of his feet and curl one with, with his left peg was was unreal and and what a goal and he obviously enjoyed that a lot and we've seen the kind of responses on Instagram from all the other players who seem to be delighted for him Mitrovic he, he came out and said he's been having shooting competitions with Mitrovic and <laughs> often winning uh, and, and also Steven Sess came out and was like oh can you teach me and they were like oh shooting practice is here so there's obviously <laughs> like starting to build a bit of rapport within the group as well yeah. and that kind of camaraderie has got to be a good thing and 
look, if nothing else, it keeps Tim Fossey mental on his toes and it, it keeps him having to improve to stay yeah. in the side. So we can't complain that competition is a bad thing at this point. If we have two right backs gunning to start, then that, that's got to be good. Um, that obviously then allowed Fulham to see out the game. There was 20 minutes left. There didn't really seem any danger once we went 3-1 in the lead of a unlikely Millwall comeback. And given some of the scores in the EFL Cup last night, I think we were quite lucky to not have uh, a bit of a scare. And Burnley lost to Burton. Uh, Bournemouth had a bit of a scare against Blackburn, I believe. And then obviously the results of the night where Derby just stunned Man United and that goal from Harry Wilson. I, you, I can't stop watching it. It's absolutely mesmerising. Yeah, it's an unbelievable strike. But yeah, I think you're right in terms of if Millwall weren't languishing at the bottom of the championship and had both eyes on Lord, Staying we probably up. should sort ourselves out in the league before we think about everything else. They made eight changes. We made nine. Yeah. You know, you, you look at that and you think these aren't two full-strength squads. And I think even a full-strength Millwall squad would have struggled to deal with that side last night. But it might have been a, it might have been a tricky game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you game. know, and also, without being funny, if, if Millwall are doing well in the league and they, f- they fancy a cup upset and, and all the fans turn up, that's a different atmosphere, a different game, and, and I don't think you have 15-year-old Harvey Elliott wandering onto the pitch. No, well, that's my next point. It allowed a scenario where Harvey Elliott could make his debut. They were never going to throw him into a situation where the game was in the balance. No disrespect to Harvey. Um, 15 years and about 174 days. 174 days. And he's made his Fulham debut. He's the youngest ever player for Fulham to play in the first team, taking Matthew Briggs's title. By a distance. By yeah, a distance. By, by quite, a good sort of 200 days. I mean, it's a stunning story. 15 is mad. You kind of hear 16-year-olds playing. Sessegnon started playing for Fulham at 16, scored when he was still 16 against Cardiff. But, yeah, to be 15 and playing, I mean, he's gone back to school today. Yeah, I think it, it's kind of mad, isn't it? You know, there's something to be said for the fact that Fulham are, are bringing these youth through and, and so much kind of credit needs to be given to the academy and... and to Hugh Jennings and all of that for, for, for continually start progressing this conveyor belt of talent. But also, you know, it's kind of mad that a 15-year-old is just getting on the pitch. And and while we, you know, like crave like a, a good a feel-good story, yesterday was the perfect thing because he came on, the shirt looked too big for him. He, you know, he did look a little bit child amongst men, but he was good. And, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't throw away possession. And also everyone was in such a buoyant mood that, you know, every time he touched the ball, everyone cheered. And, you know, it was kind well, of... I liked it. The crowd was singing Harvey Elliott as he, as he came onto the pitch. And it was obviously such a big moment for him. Such a big moment for his family. And, and, yeah, it shows that from the very top at the first team with Mitrovic and Seri and co, right down to, to youth level with Jennings and, and Harvey Elliott, this club does seem together and the fans are getting on board for, for all levels. The only thing I'd say about this is, you know, I'm also delighted for Harvey and I'm not trying to take away anything from that. Do you feel a little bit put out if you're someone like John Dager Thornsteinson? You know, you've been around for a while, you've been banging in goals for the PL2 side, mm. the under-23s, and, you know, you play right wing. And suddenly this 15-year-old right winger has been chucked into the mix and everyone's going, oh, man, like this 15-year-old. And, you know, you've never really got a shot at the first team. Is that, you know, something that... I did wonder, that was one of my questions, and without being harsh to the achievement, yeah, is, it, is it a novelty thing? I don't, I don't know. Or is there something potentially a bit deeper-rooted here? There seems like a lot of big, big teams interested in signing him and we can't sign him onto a professional contract for for a couple of years where we're showing willing we're showing okay we know you've got a really talented kid here we're willing to put him into the first team when he's 15 are Barcelona going to do that 
I don't know if there's an element of... Yeah, I am sure there is. And and that's a very, very good point that I hadn't considered. But it's... Yeah, there's there's something to be said for if you look at Fulham as a... If you're a 13-year-old trainee or an 11-year-old making a a decision on where you want to play your your football in the future and you're looking at a couple of academies want you and they go, look, we chucked a 15-year-old into the first team in the Carabao Cup last week. You know, if you think that you're going to have a future in this game and you want to play genuine first team minutes rather than to be part of an academy that farms you out on loan to, especially with the new rules coming in about how many loans you're allowed in and out. Yeah. You know, they, I suppose it does set a wonderful precedent that youngsters will choose Fulham as that kind of club. But you're right. There must be a few players that haven't got first team minutes yet that might be looking at what happened last night and thinking, that's, that's a bit annoying. Yeah, how, you know, what, when do I get my shot? It's almost like when you're at the top of school and someone three years below gets an opportunity and you're thinking, all right, I mean, for, for anything, for a sports team, for a play, something like that, and you're thinking, well, I've, I've earned my stripes here. Yeah, yeah I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm chuffed for the kid, and, I, and yeah. he's good, and he's obviously good, but hang on, I've, I've been working really hard for the last yeah. three years to achieve this. Well, no, fair play, though, to Harvey. It was, a, it was a wonderful little cameo. It looked really, really assured on the ball for yeah. me. I thought he was going to have a chance of having a shot at one point, but it kind of got taken away from him and it didn't really end up being too much I think I think there's been enough hype on an appearance of 15 I think a goal might just might send it through the stratosphere yeah I think he'd have been top story ahead of Man United Derby on the yeah. BBC given uh, how much coverage they've given that uh, over the past 24 hours but yeah credit to him credit to his family yeah. and uh, huge overall, shout out to Harvey he replied to us on, on Twitter as well Give us yeah, nice he's, he's obviously a friend of the pod already yeah you know? exactly it's nice, it's nice to have a young friend <laughs> of the pod who we know is going to be a future superstar there was quite a few people on Twitter saying I'm 15 years old. What has happened to my life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. You it's know, a moment feel it when you're 25 and 20. We're 25 and 26, thinking about things. Going, oh, there's a moment in every kind of teenager's life when they realise they're not going to be a footballer, and someone their age does make it onto the pitch. I think the one for me was Jack Wilshere because Jack Wilshere's the same year as me. I think he must have played at 16, 17 for Arsenal. And I remember thinking, it's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, no, it's over. So that dream, that dream's dead. I think a few people could have told me that several probably years, years before. before yeah. yeah, I think my dad probably could have told me that on like my fourth birthday. That I was never going to quite make it. But anyway, let's not uh, rip, talk about my ripped apart dreams on the podcast. Let's Indeed. look ahead to Everton. We travel up to Goodison Park on Saturday. Uh, let's not beat around the bush. We're we're pretty yeah, terrible. We're not very good at Goodison. at Goodison. No points in the league since September 1959. No league win ever there. Uh, we do have a fame, but couple of famous FA Cup wins, including the 1975 Cup run. Uh, Everton haven't had the greatest start. No clean sheet in the league yet. Two defeats in the row. Not a terrible time to be facing Everton. No, of course not. And you know we thought that Marco Silva was going to turn them around this year and and really start to dig in, but it hasn't quite come off for them yet. You know they've obviously looked good in patches Richarlison does look like he's a talent and Bernard hasn't seen too much game time yet but when he came on against West Ham he really did make a difference even mm. though it didn't affect the final result Lucas Dean is starting to sell into the side Michael Keane's just back from an injury and he looked okay last week so I think you know going forward there is a good Everton squad there and we're going to have to be good to win and they were unlucky I thought yeah. against Arsenal they lost 2-0 and I think that really really flattered Arsenal absolutely. to be perfectly honest absolutely and they haven't played massively badly in any of the games apart from the West Ham game where they were a little bit dreadful at times but like you say it's two defences who have been suspect two attacks that look quite strong and we could be in for an entertaining game if nothing else do you think we can 
break the duck of sorts, Gal. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think we could get a point. I, I think we could get three points. I, I do think it's a little bit luck of the draw on the day. Like, you know, we're going to have, I think there are going to be chances for both sides. It's going to be who puts them away, who gets a little bit of the rubber, the green, a little bit of the bounce. And if things go for us early doors and you can see the Goodison Park crowd getting on their back a little bit, I think that's kind of the key. You, we start well, I think we might be all right. And Hopefully we won't concede after 90 seconds. Well, no, I think that's what we need to do is get a strong start because I think that Goodison Park crowd at the moment is just a little bit tetchy. Yes, Could course. get on edge. And if Fulham can get an early goal, then there's a chance. Does, does, does history play a part? Don't think so. Not at this point. You know, Slovisa has kind of ripped the rule book up on that one. We're not playing like any of those teams have before. Yeah. This is a brand new Everton team with pretty much nobody in it from the last, you know, there's like three survivors of the of the old guard. I don't think that, and, and almost any of them will remember playing Fulham. No. And therefore, you know, even more so that history doesn't necessarily play a part. These are, it's a young, fresh Fulham squad that doesn't really fear anything. And I think that if we, we go out there and we don't concede early and we look to put them on the back foot, there's no reason we can't change that. Uh, what lineup would you like to see on Saturday? I'm I'm, t- I'm tempted to go with a three five two, but I think that we shouldn't. So I'm going to revert to four three three. I'm going to say if Kearney's out, I'd like to see Sherla in the ten. I'd like to see Joe Bryan at left back. I'd like to see Vieto, maybe Sessegnon and Mitrovic, yeah, uh, as a front three uh, with uh, with Seri and and Gisa behind. I'm going to go with Tim Ream and Alfie Mawson. Although I think that it will be a doy and Mawson, if I'm honest. Yeah, and then I think I would go back to Fossi Mensa. I thought Cyrus did well last night, but without necessarily need doing enough to knock Fossi Mensa off his perch after a good second half showing last week. Cool. Well, let's get an opposition view on the game on Saturday. I spoke to Ped from the very famous Toffee TV. Uh, started off by asking him where he thinks Fulham's record at Everton will count for anything on Saturday. It must count for something because we can't seem to win it. Arsenal or Chelsea or Anfield or um, Stamford Bridge and we only we only beaten Man United once in the whole of the time of the Premier League uh, twice in the Premier League sorry so it must count for something I don't know why I don't know why you can interchange a set of players and I can have different generations of fans and have different managers and yet these cases seem to go on um, I don't I don't know I don't know what it is I, I really don't but um, I suppose it's a fresh Fulham team. There's no, there's no baggage on them on on yourselves, you know, ha- having coming up to to break that. And and I suppose from a Fulham point of view, there'd be no better time because Everton are in a bit of a transitional period at, at the moment. So um, we are usually very strong at home. It's it's the base of of um, of of our form because. Because we're just so bad away from home that we have to be good at home. But um, I, I think there's definitely a chance for Fulham on Saturday. I, ca- I couldn't say categorically that we're going to beat you. So um, if you're going to beat us, this might be your best chance. Well, yeah, I think some of us on our podcast were, were saying the same thing. This is a very different team to some of the ones in the past that were kind of daunted by a, a trip to Goodison Park. Why hasn't it started so well for you guys this season? You seem to be constantly in transition in the past few years, but you know yeah. you have got a talented manager there in Marco Silva. You've got a squad full of, of brilliant players from the likes of Richarlison and Sigurdsson up front, uh, Pickford and Keane at the back. There's a lot of talent. It just doesn't seem to be gelling quite so well for you guys at the moment I think you've just used the key word gelling I think um, you know this is an Everton squad that's still got players in it 
from the Moyes era. It's still got players from the Martinez era. It's got players from the Koeman era. It's got players bought by Sam Allardyce. And it's got players bought by Marco Silva. So it's still in, in a transition. And it's been in transition for two or three years. And um, what it needs is a period of, of just... It, it, players and the manager knuckling down and finding something that works and that might mean that you know players go out even good players might go out the door if they don't suit the style of play for this manager they might go out the door um, but at the moment you know we went to Arsenal last week and it was probably our our best performance at, at the Emirates or a hybrid for a long long time and yet we've still come away to you know getting beat 2-0 when when Petr Cech has been the man of the match so it's those little issues against West Ham the week before when we were beaten by West Ham you know we 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 obviously being the home side we created more chances we had more chances on target we just couldn't take our chances and West Ham did and I suppose in the Premier League that's the balance I think between 14 of the I'd say 14 maybe of the sides maybe maybe a few less but you know, if you walk away from that top six, I think everyone else it's who scores first and and uh, who controls the game. Whereas you know the top six they take control of games, and I think for everyone else that's the case. And we that's where we find ourselves at the moment. And for us, it's about being patient and um, just just sort of staying with it for a little bit. You're yet to keep a clean sheet in the Premier League this season. I mean, I look at your back five, and I think that's uh, some pretty. Sp- strong personnel in there mm. do you think then Fulham have a good chance of getting a goal or two on Saturday whether that means we win or draw who knows but it looks to us like we should have a good chance of going up there and at least you know causing you some trouble well I, I suppose that's what your manager will be thinking if you can if you can carve out a chance you know you'll you'll um you'll score goals and I think that's what that's what makes it entertaining for you know, for the for the opposition is that they probably will come to Goodison and think if we can nick, you know, we will nick a goal. So let's try and nick a goal. You know, Huddersfield a couple of weeks ago, you know, not the most prolific side. They come up and we've had the difficulty with um, you know, going between systems. You know, whether it be man marking or zonal, and they played on that and they got a goal. And I think that plays in the minds of um, fans and and the players. So we're we're inviting pressure, and because we we are struggling, it seems at the moment just to be able to find a goal, it allows the opposition to come and think, you know what, we can score here. Um, what I would say is that we haven't had the same back four all season. We've had uh, problems with Seamus Coleman's out injured. Uh, you know, he got a problem with Ireland. Michael Keane had the uh, the incident with his with uh, getting uh, the the head the head incidents down at at uh, Bournemouth. We've we started with Leighton Baines, and now we've got Luca Dean. Um, we've had Jack Yelka, we've had Zuma, we've had Mason Holgate play centre back. We're still actually waiting for our um, one of our main buyers of the summer, uh, Yerry Mina, who we bought from Barcelona to come into the side. He's still injured, so it's a it's a back four that hasn't settled, and until it really does settle, and we get a back four that we know we can rely on week in and week out, I think we will ship goals because you're asking players to come into the side, uh, adapt to systems. And that's always going to be a problem. So yeah, I think I think uh, the 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 short answer to that is yeah, we probably will concede on Saturday. <laughs> um, you're preaching to the converted with uh, back fours changing all season. We still haven't had the same back four uh, since the first game. So uh, two clubs with uh, similarities there. Uh, let's look through your team. Everyone likes to go on this season about how Richarlison is your key man going forward. He's the real danger man. I think we all kind of yeah. know his threat, and that's why he costs so much money uh, for you guys from Watford. What other players, though, should Fulham fans look out for? Should the Fulham team uh, be keeping a particularly close eye on? 
Theo Walcott's actually still got a lot to his game. I think he's a player who's forgotten about in, in our team. I think um, for that, last week he, he, he did okay against Arsenal, but got a bit of a nasty uh, you know eye injury and had to go off. But that should settle down for this week. And um, he got he got an injury as well a, a few weeks ago, just before the international break. And he, he hasn't really been the same player since. So he's always a threat just with his pace. Yeah, I think Luke, Luca Dean, who uh, we signed off Barcelona, left-back, he's a real threat as well going forward. He's a, he seems to be the natural successor to Leighton Baines um, at left-back, so he's been playing well. Um, it depends who plays up front as well. Richarlison really is a big threat, and we really missed him when he was out suspended. And that sort of... That, you know, that, the games we, we drew with Huddersfield and we lost to West Ham, that was a major factor was not having him in the team and not having that balance because he, he really comes off that left-hand side really, really well. Um, it, it's difficult to say whoever else. Gilfie Sigurdsson, if you can grab the game by the scruff of the neck, is an important player. I think he's created the third most chances in the Premier League this season. But but because players are not putting the ball in the back of the net, you sort of miss the th- miss that, that threat. You don't naturally see it as a fan. Um a lot of fans have been asking whether he's a player we should be we should persist with. But when you see how many chances he actually creates on paper, it's it's far more than what you would expect. So he's a threat as well. Uh Shink Tosin up front, he's he needs a goal. He's what he first couple of games. You sort of looked at him and said, "Oh, you know what? He's playing really well. He's working really hard." But then, if he doesn't put the ball in the back of the net after three or four games, you start saying, "Well, actually, what does he offer?" So yeah. it'll be interesting to see whether he comes back in this weekend. But I definitely think um, Theo Walcott could be a, 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 a could have a major say on this game if he if he plays well and he takes his chances. I still think there's a, there's still a lot in the tank for Theo. Um, Everton and Fulham, two famous old teams uh, going head-to-head um, this Saturday. Have you got any particularly good memories uh, of, of playing the Whites? Yeah, um, one particular one was, uh, I think it was my 29th birthday, um, <laughs> and Yakubu scored a hat-trick. So oh, that tells God, you how, yeah. People might be able to work out how old, how old I am from that. Um, <laughs> Yakubu scored a hat-trick, and I, you know what? I've got a terrible record on my birthday, an absolute stinking record. So um, it was nice to actually, to, it was nice actually to see Everton win on my birthday, but also uh, Yakubu to score a hat trick because he was just an absolutely fantastic place. So that's probably uh, that's probably one of my best, I know best memories. And also um, another one was I think it was David Moyes' first game, and we were desperate for a win. And I think uh, David Unsworth scored after 27 seconds. We yeah. beat you two one. Uh, Duncan Ferguson uh, was it Duncan, Duncan Ferguson scored, and I think we went down to ten men quite early on as well, and we we dogged it out. And we got up, and it was a huge win because we were we were uh, in real trouble that time. I always remember it because it was when Fulham had the Pizza Hut uh sale on the shirt as yeah. well. So so the old Adidas, I think Steve Malbrank scored for you as well. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that was another one I remember fondly as well. As you said, we always do well normally at home against you. Normally we normally lost the game away. So. Uh, Mix, mix the motions before when, when we play Fulham. Um, so it's my first time to Goodison. I was telling you this just before we uh, started our chat, Ped. Uh, I'm very excited about the whole thing. I did Anfield uh, a few years ago, but Goodison is a new one for me. So uh, this is a particularly uh, personally fueled question, but I'm sure there'll be some other Fulham fans as well that will find it particularly useful. What's the best thing about a trip to Goodison Park? Uh, any tips for the day? Gullison Park for me is still one of the best stadiums in the Premier League, and it's it's because it mightn't look like the best 
ground in the Premier League, it mightn't um, it mightn't be that comfortable for you as an away fan. I, obviously, I've never been in the away end, but I, I, I don't hear particularly good things about it. But it's like going to an old-fashioned football match. It really is. It's got the smells, the sights, the sounds of an old-fashioned football ground. It's a it's a ground that is surrounded by terraced houses and and pubs and and all the things that you you were you were told about. I would imagine as a fan, as a young fan, you would be told about what your dad, where your dad went. Football's not like it used to be. Premier League ruined it. All these things. Um, it's and I, to be honest, I suppose. And I'm, I'm not having a dig here, but I suppose being in the championship, there might be a lot of similar grounds attached to some championship clubs who haven't got, haven't had the money to go out and build yep, a new brand definitely. new ground. And and full, as a full fan, you'll know what your ground is like, and you'll know how romanticised you are with that, and, and how how attached you are to that ground. And I think that's what you that's what you should experience from that. Come up and have a walk around the whole ground, and just go into your end. Go and have a good walk around the ground. You, you know, there's no there's no uh, dodgy alleys or anything to worry about. You can walk around the whole of the ground, and it's it's fine and it's safe. And there's no there's no no one you're not gonna have any problems. Um, it's a it's a safe ground and, and and just have a little look and, and see the sights and the sounds of it and you'll you'll be transported to that old sort of fashion nostalgic um old ground and go in a couple of the pubs don't be worried about going in the pubs if you want to go in a pub as well um it's it's all it's all good and you'll get that old, the old sense of of a of a fo- old old fashioned football ground Obviously, there's lots of talk about Everton leaving Goodison one day for a more modern stadium with more capacity and more facilities and all that. Uh, And back in the day, there was talk of Fulham leaving for um, bright, new, modern grounds. And for me, Fulham is Craven Cottage. If we ever left it, I just... I just don't think it would be the same club. And I know other clubs have left old traditional grounds yeah. and are still flourishing, but do you have a similar feeling as an Everton fan that if you did one day leave Goodison Park, and it does seem inevitable in the medium term maybe, that something from Everton would be lost? I don't know. That's the answer. And i tell you why I don't know is because I don't know what the new ground's going to look like. I mean, as far as the club are concerned, we are definitely moving. We have got the land... Um, We've got the placements. We've got everything. It's 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 one of these things. It's uh, it's it's bogged down in all the red tape at the moment, and that that's that's just one of those things you have to put up with. But as far as the club are concerned, we are moving, and until we see those plans, I won't know because it's it's definitely not going to be one of these sort of soulless balls. Um, it's definitely not going to be. Uh, like anywhere else this is what we're getting so we've brought in a world class architect to design it and where it's actually going to be situated on the docks it's got to be in keeping with the area as well because there are, we, it's a world heritage site so um, it's got to almost look like the surrounding um, old fashioned warehouses so I think it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be traditional but new but until i actually see those plans i'm not, i'm not sure but what i would say is that i think as a fan we are we are ready to move we are we've been sold this dream and i think if it didn't happen well, it'd be the third time in my in my lifetime that we we didn't move ground so i think a lot of fans are ready to move but at the same time because we haven't moved on those other two occasions it doesn't quite feel real yet so i don't think we've actually breach the subject we don't you know as a channel we don't sit here and go go and make videos about every single time there's an update because for us it's just like 
okay, we'll we'll wait till there's a major update, then we'll make a video because, as I said, it, we need plans and we need things and we need you know a, a spade in the ground. And until that happens, we'll just be like, yeah, okay, we're getting a new stadium. We'll wait till that happens. So um, I look forward to that day, but I'm not really thinking about it till that day comes. Fair enough. Right, finally, Ped, uh, prediction for Saturday. Can Fulham break the curse or is our misery going to continue? I can't come on here as an Evertonian and as a um, a, a host of a, <laughs> as a channel and say that Fulham are going to beat us. I just can't do that. I have to send as many positive vibes towards <laughs> my own club this week as I can. We've only won one game in the Premier League so far this season and we desperately need a win um, just, to, just to help the process obviously we need everyone needs wins so i'm going to go for i'm going to go for an everton 2-1 i'm going to go for a, a close game but i have to say i i can't sit here and say anything else than a win just because i have to as a fan send as many of those positive vibes towards my own team so um yeah i'm going to go for a 2-1 win for everton ped respect your thinking you've got you've got to you've got to yeah I, I if i was in your boat i'd be doing exactly the same thing well uh, thank you very much for chatting to Fulhamish ped no problem. Been uh, been great to speak to you. Hello, I'm Brad Hangelan, and you are listening to the Fulhamish podcast. Cool. Well, thank you to Ped from Toffee TV uh, for giving us a bit of a lowdown on Everton on Saturday. Uh, Jack, we've got a very, 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 very early train up to yeah, Liverpool on Saturday, which is totally my fault. Yeah, it's going to be fine. You got, you know, we'll we'll make a nice video and 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 we'll do things and hopefully people will join us in Liverpool. We're on the eight oh three seven. So some, just after eight. So we'll be in there from 11 o'clock. So if you're up early and you're in Liverpool, give us a buzz on the Fulhamish Instagram account at Pod or our Twitter account and we'll see. We'll let you know where we are and and what's going down in Liverpool. Yeah, it should be an interesting one nonetheless. Um, Just quickly, Jack, have you got a pod name for today? Not technically an extra, so we do need one. Yeah, I I saw a a response on Twitter which was Harvey's Play Den for a three-word review, which I thought was absolutely (laughs) phenomenal. I'm really sorry. I can't get any signal in the studio and I can't find out who's whose thing it is so please do shout and I'll give you a, a Twitter shout out or something but yeah it, Harvey's Play Den is absolutely brilliant name. fantastic well Jack thank you for doing this uh, quick emergency pod after last night's very interesting game at Millwall if Millwall. you're off to Everton uh, do give us a shout uh, it should be a good trip up there anyway my first time to Goodison so personally uh, I'm looking forward to visiting one of the grand old grounds uh, of English football uh, we'll be back on Monday looking back at the Everton game and previewing the test of Arsenal who will be visiting Craven Cottage uh, next up uh, to Jack Collins thank you very much thank you Sammy I will see you very soon take it easy bye, bye.